Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks 125-112 to loss versus the Boston Celtics. But more so than that, we're just going to be kind of tentatively covering that game. We are going to be getting into some overarching themes that we can pull through the first 17 games of this season from the Mavericks. There have been quite a bit of up and downs. There's been a lot of fluctuation in terms of what I think the big pick, big picture perception of this team is. So we're kind of going to be divulging all into that, what we think of how the coaching has been so far, how the front offices moves throughout the offseason and what their outlook is on the team has looked so far. And of course, how, you know, the Mavericks players have fared so far. We'll be getting all into that today. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaren, so just like we said, we're just going to be tentatively covering the Mavericks versus Celtics game the other day. Really weren't a whole lot of positives. Um, Basically three and a half, you know, almost four quarters of nothingness, but barring a late stretch of Luka Doncic and Christian Wood working really well together in the pick and roll and the um, pick and pop and, you know, Christian Wood's ability to slip screens, especially upon Luka traps. Uh, was really coming into fruition for the Mavericks in that fourth quarter. But barring that, um, it was definitely probably the most exposing loss of the season. I'm not going to go as far as to say the worst loss of the season. The Mavericks were down by 20 points for very long periods of time in this game. You know, that 13-point margin that they lost by, I feel like, is a little bit deceiving. It wasn't really, you know, a actual 13-point loss. The Mavericks, you know, effectively got pretty – they got blown out most of the game in this one. And, you know, you know, as you kind of segue um, to the end of the game, the Mavericks just really had no resistance for the Celtics five out ability. Um, just this, you know, seeing in the sense that I said it was the most exposing loss of the season, you saw everything the Celtics have that the Mavericks don't, um, you know, secondary, tertiary, even like four playmakers at sometimes on the floor that can attack off closeouts effectively, make plays, shoot, defend. And, I mean, that lineup where they had Horford in together with all four of those guys, the the Mavericks were getting killed. Um, I mean, just talk about the sort of dynamism that a team like the Celtics, a championship team, has, you know, and with, you know, some of these lineups they can run out there where they effect- effectively have four guys who can handle the ball, at all times, I mean, they, sure, they may not all be on the floor together, but, I mean, that has, you know, two in the starting lineup, two in the second unit when you have Tatum, Brown, Brogdon, and uh, Marcus Smart. Uh, I just kind of wanted to uh, really highlight that in terms of the difference that the they possess in, in having that ability and how much better of a team that makes them, especially come playoff team uh, time versus this Mavericks team who, you know, effectively really just has Luka Doncic and Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, no, you, you go top to bottom, you look at all these guys, and they effectively fill the one check mark that the Dallas Mavericks have in that position. Uh, and not just that, but most of those guys are defensive presences on that side of the ball. Um, Actually, all of them are. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. like, really, all of them are. Most, really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and this is just a luxury that the Mavericks don't have. Uh, and, you know, come playoff time, I think that we have pretty much, I, I feel like, kind of drilled this into our own heads that this team, knock on wood, uh, should have been a good regular season team, but come playoff time is where we would get exposed. Now, needless to say, I don't think we'd be exposed this early. Um, but yeah, you know, this is just the difference between a championship caliber team, a team that I think can go on and win it all, versus a team that, quite frankly, is fighting for a playing spot right now. Um, and again, you know, the Mavericks being one ball handler, like one true ball handler, and I guess it's not even fair to call Spencer Dinwiddie a like he's he's gotten better throughout the season, I'll admit, uh, but I don't think it's fair to call Spencer Dinwiddie Dinwiddie a true ball handler, and you know the the fact that Boston has four of these guys that are 
of that caliber is just, you know, something the Mavericks only could dream of at that point. 100%. Not even to mention, you know, Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, who didn't even really play in this game. I mean, they just got dudes. Um, but, you know, glossing over that, um, you know, like I said, the Mavericks had a really rough go at it just in terms of generating any sort of offense we saw in a game where, um, you know, Dinwiddie, you know, I would say wasn't really having, well, I mean, at first glance, he struggled a little bit in that first half, but his shooting definitely started coming to fruition. But this was a game where I really didn't feel as if he was furbishing his playmaking. Like he was shooting the ball. Well, he's been shooting really well off catch and shoot um, possessions this year, of course, especially off of Luca passes. And, you know, he had yet another positive shooting game, went two for four from three, six for eight from the field. But, you know, it really kind of almost seemed as if the Celtics were trying to run him off the floor at times in terms of his ability to play make. They definitely, you know, wanted to limit the Mavericks ability to, you know, effect, you know, run offense effectively um, with their two ball handlers on the floor together. And, you know, they really, the Celtics really, you know, kind of keyed their defense in to close out on Maverick shooters fast, uh, really defend the interior. Well, um, just basically forced Luca to do everything himself. And his mid-range game really came into fruition, you know, after, you know, having expelled himself so hard these last few games, we saw him defer to the mid-range a little bit in this game. And it was really effective from him. I mean, 17 of 28, 42 points. Um, honestly, one of his best games of the season. And, you know, in a game where he really had to um, basically carry the whole burden of all the playmaking duties when, you know, when Dinwiddie kind of just played so off ball in this game, um, you know, the Celtics, I thought, had a really good game plan in the sense of forcing that direction because they have so many defenders on the floor. You know, they basically, you know, diagnosed that, hey, we're not going to be able to defend Luka no matter who's on him, despite, you know, us having some of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Um, but I thought that, you know, their contingency plan with shutting everybody else on the Mavericks uh, down, you know, barring, you know, those Dinwiddie catch and shoot positions and, when Christian Wood and Luca got going in the fourth quarter there, um, they did a pretty good job. You know, the Mavericks scored 112 points, but I thought a lot of that was uh, virtue. You know, some of those garbage time minutes when the Mavericks were kind of just pouring it on. You know, the Mavericks did have a good second half. It was, it was spirited, and, you know, Dorian was able to make a couple threes and, you know, get out and transition a few times. But barring that, I mean, just a pretty rough go at it overall for the game it's not a game that i want to you know really psychoanalyze too hard just from the standpoint that you know we you know it's a few days away from the game it's obviously the mavericks are playing tomorrow versus the raptors the raptors at four o'clock yeah so you know this is going to be more of a four it's at four yeah this is going to be more of a centralized podcast in terms of um, you know, looking at the Mavericks big picture throughout the season because how exposing this loss was. But um, I mean, what else do you want to really highlight from this game before we get on to some more uh, centripetal themes of this season? Yeah, you know, I think I, looking at positives, you can take away, of course, like this Christian Wood Luca uh, duo, I guess you can call it, like has really honestly has ballooned into this game. I mean, Christian uh, Wood played 34 minutes in this game, highest of the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of that just from the standpoint that the Mavericks big men were really having trouble in this one. I mean, Dwight Powell was effectively getting played off the floor. He got in foul trouble early. Uh, I mean, JaVale played okay in this one, but you had no Maxi Kleber. They finally had to ride the pine with Christian Wood. And we've seen, these, um, you know, in the postgame presser, Christian uh, Jason Kidd's quotes, they look more enlightening in terms of Christian Wood possibly starting, but you know, by no stand by no standpoint is that actually confirmed yet. But I mean, things are trending in the positive direction at least, which is, you know, while we had you know very bleak hope. Well, I mean, really, honestly, like a few days ago, a few days ago, <laughs> it's like you know things slip like a script. You know, that's why we try to hammer that you can't overreact. You know, to two, you know, to one or two things. You Even know, though we do so wildly, but as Mavericks fans, you know, this organization has taught us to overreact to those sort of things. So who are, you know, what are, who are we to tell you guys what to do? You guys fan how you want, but I mean, it is a topic of discussion. The fact that I, you know, how fast the tables just kind of turned on that, but 
I mean, he, he obviously looked terrific in the pick and roll with Luca in this game. Um, you know, there were, he did have five turnovers. There were some possessions in the first half, especially when they're running offense through him that it looked kind of rough, but I mean, relative, I mean, this is a game where, you know, the, the, because of the Celtics defensive prowess, um, especially Horford, he looked really good defensively despite his age. This is a game where, you know, you may not be expecting as much of a individual impact from Christian Wood. Um, but, you know, you, despite the Celtics defense, you know, being so good, um, so inclined to defend the perimeter well, this is still a team that is really switch heavy. And without Robert Williams out there, they're, you know, shot blocking interior big. You know, I view, you know, would you probably say that Horford's best suited a little more as a switchable big versus like a pure rim protector? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. But to add to that, yeah. you know, Robert Williams is coming back off of injury here soon. And like this team right now with this roster is already the best team and adding arguably the best shot blocker in the game. Like, uh, I mean, that's a little strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably Turner, but he's, he's top five. Yeah. Top five for sure. Yeah. Like this team, the sky's the limit. So no. Yeah. But I mean, my, basically my main point from that though, is that, you know, when you're going against these more switch heavy teams, you have to look to wood because they're going to try to throw everything in the book at Luca. Um, They're going to defer and really try to, you know, trap Luca when he gets going. And then especially a team like Boston, when they have the luxury to be able to um, trap Luca and then get back out to the Mavericks wings fast enough because their defenders are so good and close out effectively. You know, those are like the type of teams that Luca and Christian Wood can dominate the most in the pick and roll, um, you know, because of the amount of switching going on, you know, there's going to be gaps in the middle of the floor. Uh, whether it be the short roll where Woods catching it and then having to make a read out of it, or whether it just be uh, Luca gets trapped and he, you know, zooms an uh, over the head pass to Wood and he's able to just go up and finish. Like these are the sort of possessions, um, you know, against these more switch heavy um, perimeter that have like really good perimeter defense that you're able to take advantage of that some sort of stuff. Now, if, you know, Robert Williams is getting a heavy chunk of those Horford minutes and, the Celtics effectively have like no stop gaps essentially um, because especially with Williams being a switchable big who can also shot block that makes things a lot harder um, for you to really dominate you know you're going to look for Christian Wood to maybe have some to see what he can get on some of those isolation uh, possessions those post up those face up possessions Um, but you know in a game where he really wasn't doing as much of that it was nice to see him and Luca really attack a switch heavy defense in the pick and roll and be able to um, flourish um, in the, in those instances. I thought that um, that was like one of the more positive, uh, the biggest positives from the game. Um, but barring that, I mean, that was just a huge exposing loss. Having seen basically all the, you know, sort of stop gaps and counters that this Celtics team has that, the Mavericks just simply don't have the personnel for. And I think we'll, you know, I don't want to harp too much on, you know, who played very poorly in this game um, because we're going to be getting heavily into that come when, you know, when we get into some of this big picture stuff, but um, you know, obviously JaVale McGee, I mean, no, not JaVale, but Tim Hardaway Jr. And uh, Reggie Bullock um, through 18 games are kind of looking like, you know, some redundancies to this team. So, you know, if we just, I guess, really want to segue now that we've kind of went over that Celtics game, um, let's look at this Mavericks team, big picture, through 18, uh, 17 games. What are your thoughts on the state of the team? Um, I guess we'll, I'll try to, you know, sort of condense this a little bit instead of just looking at that's a pretty broad question. Um, but, where do you think – what have you been most impressed by this season so far? And what has least impressed you this season so far? Yeah, I mean, shall we do good or bad? Uh, like, I'm going to go ahead and just start off with good. Um, and this is more so just getting into a singular, singular player, and this is with Luca. Are we, are we doing, like, teams, like how, how the team looks, or just, like, taking some positives away? Because, like, I mean, you can take a million Well, positives. I mean, this is going to be uh, – I mean, team base, but also you you want to key in on players who okay, all right. you highlight the players that you've thought have been surprised by, have been doing good, and, you know, really look to 
analyze the players that have not, you know, yeah. have the weekend shed a pretty dim light upon. Yeah. So let's start off. Uh, I mean, our Lord and Savior, Luka Doncic. Uh, I mean, from consistency to really all around just amazing basketball. Defensively, he's been playing. I mean, he's had his games where it's been down, uh, but needless to say, it's way more trending on the upside of consistency than it would be down. Uh, and Lucas just, you know, I mean, a 42-point game in which the Mavericks pretty much seemingly didn't even look like they were engaged in. He played 40 is, minutes. Yeah, he played 40 minutes. Um, and again, like I said, like the, the whole Mavericks as a team just didn't even look engaged. And so to see him like squeeze out these minutes or uh, squeeze out these points, I guess, is Luka Doncic himself. Uh, I mean, like, there's no other explanation than that's Luka Doncic. Uh, and we've seen that multiple times this season. Um, and then another positive, you know, Josh Green, uh, he's had his strong suit games where, you know, he's dropping 23 and then going two for two from the field. And then he's had his few games where he's shooting one or four or whatever it may be. But the guy knows where he is in the game and it's it's valuable. Uh, I think he's genuinely like the one guy on this roster that knows his place in a sense. And I take that, you know, I mean, of course, Dorian, he's going to know his role, but like he's the one guy off the bench that you can pretty much throw in in whatever minute and you know what you're going to get and he's going to do it. Uh, I mean, like he's, of course, defensively improved so much. uh, And that's just kind of not like jumping on some passes or jumping on some ball fakes or anything like that, which he occasionally does still, but he's improved a lot on that end. And then offensively, you know, I mean, this, the numbers speak for themselves. I, I don't know how he is after this bossing game, but at before the bossing game, he was number two in three-point percentage. Uh, and I mean, he shoots a low three-point percentage, or uh, he shoots a low number of three-pointers a game, but still, I mean, he's having a great season. Um, negatives. Uh, I mean, there's too many to count. Uh, Reggie Bullock, let's start off with him. I mean, a guy, I I don't even want to, it's just like, just a confidence thing. I think, you know, he doesn't look strong to start the season. Of course, he didn't look strong at all last season, but I mean, this is a whole new level of like bad. I I don't even think he was this bad last season. Um, I mean, he's at least starting to hit at least one game or one point, one three point game. (laughs) Jesus, I can't speak. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, like it, numbers need to improve. And then uh, I'm going to go ahead and get into, I think what the worst guy in the roster is, is Tim Hardaway Jr. A dude who's literally just chucking up shots at this point. Like he's, I like what you said. He's redundant on this roster. I mean, the Mavericks seemingly would be better without, without him because at this point he's a net negative with just how many bad possessions he's taking. I know in the Boston game, uh, he took a really, really bad three-point shot early in the shot clock where the Mavericks were gaining some momentum. I want to say they cut the lead all the way down to like nine uh, and the Mavericks were rolling. And I think it was in the end of the, or maybe beginning of the fourth quarter. I'm not sure. Um, and just dumb shot after dumb shot by Tim Hardaway. And we have seen no improvement of that. And again, I mean, that's Tim Hardaway, but still we, you know, you'll occasionally get those 28 point games and then you'll get a two point game like this. And the two-point games are happening happening like eight times out of ten. And, I, I mean, at this point in the season, I want to see more consistency from him in which he just seems like he's tailed off quite a bit. And these bad games where he's, I guess, looked upon to play more than 20 minutes is where he's getting his minutes, he's getting his run. But, uh, I mean, that I think top to bottom, just player-wise, like those are the, the two good and the two bad that really stick out to me. Yeah, if we're just, um, you know, I think you can kind of tear off everybody else to an extent as well. You know, I think we maybe failed to mention JaVale McGee in terms of the bad. For like an he's, Im- he's improved. He's looking better the last few games. But, I, you know, if we're analyzing this holistically through 17 games, I would probably say he's been a net negative, right? Um, but to your point about Tim and Reggie, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there in terms of, you know, just what you talked about with them, but Reggie specifically, I think what has really, you know, because, you know, I mentioned those guys off the top um, when we kind of went into this segment as redundancies, right. You know, what does that really mean? What, how does, how does one become redundant so much as they're, you know, they're getting 20 plus minutes a game and they're effectively not really giving you much of anything. Right. Okay. Well, in Reggie's case, 
Reggie Bullock is the prototypical 3 and D player. That's what he got the full MLE to come here and do, right? At least in the moments last year at the beginning of the season, you know, we know that this is a, um, a historic sort of thing. Reggie struggles from three at the beginning of every season. Now, should that be something that we should have to put up with or, you know, as fans, should that be something that, you know, it's just like, oh, we just gloss over. You know, we just got a 75% player who only hits after the first 25 games. That That's up in the air. You know, I probably would defer and probably say, no, like you probably shouldn't have to put up with that. But it is what it is, right? We have to live with that because that's the roster we have, right? But in Reggie's case, you know, I, I don't know if it's an age thing or just if the shooting in itself is, you know, taking him out a little bit. But, I mean, barring, you know, his occasional uh, sort of – uh, picking of the passing lane in transition. Um, he he has been, he's looked fine in those instances. Um, I particularly on ball, um, he's playing really bad defense. And, you know, there are his games where he has flashes, but I mean, we just don't see the sort of possessions where he anchors down like we did last year. You know, I think Dorian's defense to an extent has waned a little bit, but we still see those instances where he's really able to lock in and he's, contesting um getting a hand in the face even if the guy makes it on some of the best players in the game you know he played good defense on kevin durant when the mavericks played the nets um it's just for reggie it's like a little bit different it's almost looked as if you know like through 17 games i can't really mention a game where i thought he's had you know a at large a really positive defensive impact that contributed to winning a game for the mavericks he's had in, he's had games where he's looked okay defensively and he's held his own, um, but, you know, not much more than, say, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. looks on defense. And, you know, that I think that's been the more depressing thing. You know, I do expect his three-point shooting to come around, but, you know, and, and Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. through 17 games, these guys are negative assets for the Mavericks. And if the Mavericks are effectively looking to ship either one of them off at any point, um, they're gonna, it's going to have to be some sort of negative asset for negative asset swap because these guys do not retain positive value at the moment. Hopefully that you can build them up to be that um, and they can get to that level. But with Reggie Bullock's shooting woes and Tim Hardaway Jr., Tim Hardaway Jr. shooting woes, like, you know, like you'd mentioned, like he's having much more of these, you know, 0 for 7 or like, you know, 2 for 12 games than he is having those 30-point haymakers. You know, that's where the problem lies in itself because outside of him scoring – him being that spark plug off the bench that, you know, is able to um, occasionally drive off of single dribble moves and get to the rim, you know, pull up for mid-range jump shots. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr., one of the only guys who can um, really pull up um, just off a screen at the top of the key on this team. Um, when he's not able to, you know, furbish his own offense for himself, you know, he's never really been a playmaker, but if he can't at least furbish his own offense for himself, you know, be a fairly okay shot creator on this team. You know, he obviously is a, he gets caught ball watching a lot on defense. He can't really stick with his man. He gets bodied quite a bit. I mean, that's a guy who's, I mean, for lack of a better term, unplayable. He, if he's serving as a redundancy on both ends, I mean, we've seen maybe one good Tim Hardaway junior game this year, a two, if you count that Rockets game, but I yeah. mean, even then, like, he had to carry a, the bulk of the offense. And, you know, you can put every excuse in the book. Like, I get he's coming back from injury, and I do sympathize with the guy for that. I, I really hope things do start to come back into fruition. But I think through 17 games, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you're looking at Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, If they continue to play like this, either guys are going to pass them up in the rotation and they're going to have a lesser role in this team, hopefully going forward. I mean – Jason Kidd, you know, he can be idiotic at times, but, you know, I, I think he's at least bound to realize that or they're going to get traded at some point. Let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and obviously through 17 games, you know, you talked about Luca. I don't know if he's like, you know, we can get into the whole discussion about, you know, his tiredness and his him having to carry too much of a burden and that affecting the, you know, especially with the Mavericks only having two playmakers and, you know, especially, you know, you hate to like have him, you know, mention that he had kind of dead legs after those, uh, that back-to-back -back versus 
Washington and Orlando only maybe like I think 10 or 11 games in the season it was at that point. You know, we, we could get all into that, but, you know, at the same time, this Mavericks roster is what it is, and we're looking at this, you know, more from a standpoint of analyzing the team we have, not the team that we would like this to be because, you know, obviously there's tons of more idealistic scenarios for the Mavericks in terms of what this roster could be had better moves been made, had, you know, if better moves were made in the future. But bottom line is, and just being the current state of this roster, this team is limited on assets. And they don't really have the ability to, you know, like realistically, like we can, you know, play shadow GM and throw out a bunch of BS fake uh, fake trades on Twitter. But how many of those are actually feasible? You know, and I'm even talking for myself from that standpoint. Um, So I I really kind of wanted to hit the nail on the head here, Jaron. What are your thoughts through 17 games? If the Mavericks, you know, especially after Jalen Brunson having left this offseason, what are your thoughts in terms of their flexibility to make moves this season specifically? I'm not talking about future seasons, but this season specifically, especially if some of these guys that eh, maybe could have been pseudo possibly positive assets, you know, in a Reggie Bullock or a Tim Hardaway Jr. are effectively negative assets through 17 games. Where does that leave the Mavericks in terms of their ability to make moves this season, whether that be in the trade deadline or, you know, early on this winter, like where does that leave them? Yeah. I mean, is it safe to say the Mavericks are not in the top tier of teams with trade value? Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that they're not. Um, Now, with that being said, I think if the Mavericks are looking for some real assets, some real value value, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're going to have to trade the Spencer Dinwiddie's. They're going to have to trade the Christian Woods of the world to get these guys. Uh, because at this point, you know, we've harped on, we've said this 30 times today, uh, the Reggie Bullocks, the Tim Hardaway Juniors, the guy that you, you know, you typically look at as a, a pretty good trade piece, they're a negative asset at this point. And, you know, if you want anything positive to come back, Christian Wood, Spencer Dinwiddie, I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't say Dorian yet, but it, like these guys, you know, they've got to be in contention. I mean, they all starts to play a little bit better. Maybe you look to shift. Yeah, maybe. Around. I mean, like, maybe you got to find, you got to milk some sort of value out of some of these guys. Um, I guess Josh Green, you can throw Josh Green in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, as of this season, I, I think it's safe to say that we'll see a trade. Um, I don't know who at this point will be out because there's just so many weird things with this roster. Um, but I think it's safe to say we'll see a trade. Now, will this trade marginally improve this team? Uh, like we saw that trade last year with KP. I mean, time will tell. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like negative asset on top of negative asset doesn't help a team that has zero depth. I think that's bottom line. Uh, and I mean, if you want to add to that, go right ahead. I just, there's really not much to talk about because I mean, or I, I don't want to say there's not much to talk about, but this team is just not in the right space to be contending or even make a trade for a contending, contending uh, type of player. No, very much so. You know, you look at these negative asset for negative asset swaps that, you know, you effectively have to take a gamble on. Um, And that's what the Mavericks did with Dinwiddie and Bertans last year in that KP trade. And that's what they would have to do this year. Um, If they get lucky and something hits, you know, more power to them and we'll be happy and things are really going to, you know, we're going to be looking forward. We're you know going to be all positive again. But at this current moment in time, things look really bleak from that standpoint. Um, let's get into um, this Christian Wood and Jason Kidd situation. Christian Wood, you know, I'd say he's had more, you know, good games than he has bad. You know, he's had, eh, I wouldn't say a rough time, but there have been some, some woes in terms of getting acclimated into the Mavericks offense at times, but you really do begin to see the, the potential with him and Luca as pick and roll partners um, he's one of Luca's, I think he, what was the stat? It was like, he has the best percentage off of Luca passes. Don't quote me on that, but I saw that some, something along the lines of that on Twitter. You just really do see the dynamism of them at times. Um, is Christian Wood the idealistic number two next to Luca? I don't think he's that. I, I think that he can definitely be a piece on a championship team though. Um, you know, if, you know, push comes to shove and things get that far one day. Um, so, I mean, I've been really impressed, uh, in spurts, you know, he's had a couple duds of games, 
Um, but I, I really kind of just what do you think about Jason Kidd's management of Christian Wood this season with the whole non-starting situation? And what do you think of Christian Wood's start to the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to speak to the management part because these are going to be two different, uh, I guess, tones. But to speak to the management part from Jason Kidd, I, I think it's safe to say with one word, it's poor. Um, poor management, poor roster evaluation, poor whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, Christian Wood should be getting more minutes like we saw in this Boston game. He had 34 minutes and seemingly had his fair share of dominating uh, at points in this game. And is it, I think it's pretty relevant to say, like if we saw, if we saw more Luca Christian Wood minutes, the Mavericks might have a handful more wins than they do now. Um, now with that being said, can you go ahead and change that? And it looks like we're the, the, I would say it's on the horizon of being changing, but at this point, like they're just holding back or it seems like Jason Kidd's just holding back uh, the inevitable. And I don't know if it's him and we've spoke about this. I don't know if it's him just sort of being in his headspace where, you know, he's got to have total control of this roster or whatever it may be, but it seems like at, at some point Christian Wood will start. And I think it's honestly soon. Um, now from what I've seen from Christian Wood himself, minus the coaching and the minutes and all that. Uh, I mean, a pretty good player uh, from, I, I think he's shot the ball pretty well to start the season. I don't know if that'll correlate through, through the whole season. Uh, I think we could definitely see a dip as that goes. Um, but, you know, he's had his games where he's shooting one of five and then he's had his games where he's going five of five. Uh, and I feel like we've seen more often than not that he's going pretty, pretty good from the field. Um, and then, you know, a handful of points where, you know, handful of games where he has that five point showcase, whatever it may be, but it seems like, you know, he's bouncing back. Okay. Let me retract a little bit. Some of these five point games, I think that you can contribute to Jason Kidd. Uh, I'll say that, but with that being said, Christian, Wood, I think he's had a a pretty good start to the season. I think, you know, pairing him up with Luca is only going to improve as we saw in minutes in this Boston game. Uh, and I think it's an experiment that the Mavericks are pretty much just have to try out now if they want to keep winning games. No, hundred percent. I, I know that you, this is what wasn't really what you're mean, but by that, but you know, in, in a game where he's as efficient to go five to five, I hope he doesn't only take five shots, but okay. yeah, I, I know, I know that's not what you meant, but the, to, to your point, I thought you meant a, made a really good point there when we see that in a lot of these games where he's having these more low scoring games um, by de facto, you can kind of put point the finger at kid because you know, sometimes in these games or Christian Wood has like a rough defensive start, picks up a couple of fouls. Um, he really just gets kind of swept under the radar by kid uh, isn't clocking many minutes at that point. And by virtue of that, you know, he'll have some games where he isn't really even involved in the offense that much. He'll play heavy in these non Luca lineups and he'll be forced to try and, you know, furbish offensive offense by himself in the post. And if he's facing, you know, a good interior defensive scheme, it's essentially just Dinwiddie, uh, ISO ball, and Tim Hardaway Jr. jacking up shots while he's wasted in the corner or in the dunker spot, really just chilling. So, I mean, to your point, they're like in those games where he's, you know, his offensive talent isn't getting maximized by, be, by playing with Luca, having that dynamic ability to work out of the short roll and in the pick and roll with Luca. Um, like, yes, like that is in a large part why he doesn't score much in a lot of those games. Like, you know, you can really only look at maybe like one game where it's just like, oh, he just had like a total stinker. Um, like a lot of the part, the reason that he doesn't, you know, isn't able to, you know, have a complete, um, you know, positive effect on the offense is in large part due to Jason Kidd. That's a really good point. And, you know, things are looking on the up and up in terms of that direction, but, it's definitely a situation to monitor going forward because if the Mavericks lose more value than they gained when they got Christian Wood and they're effectively forced to trade him at some point because he becomes disgruntled or they don't have hopes in retaining him this offseason or they're not willing to extend him, then, um, you know, I know that at the end of the day, it's just the 26 pick, but I mean, you lose a chance at drafting whoever you're going to get at 26. And I mean, who knows who the Mavericks would have selected there, Um, but there are some good players. So um, that's a very big 
disconnect between front office and head coach if this situation fails. And, you know, while I, I still am going to stay on the optimistic train, there obviously are reasons to be concerned 17 games in, to, to say the least. But at least these last couple games, particularly that Boston game, we see, you know, maybe Jason get uh, starting to get his head out of his ass, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, uh, to, to kind of backtrack a little bit, I was a guy that I kind of want to talk about. Uh, JaVale McGee, you know, of course, the Mavericks wasted their uh, – that harsh term. Um, <laughs> they um, <laughs> they used their taxpayer mid-level exception on JaVale McGee this summer, or the bulk of it at least. They gave the rest to Jaden Hardy. He has fared uh, quite oddly to start the season. This is a guy that we really didn't expect to play a ton of minutes, uh, you know, in the first place. But, you know, just a guy who can, you know, come and be a stopgap interior defender, play 15, 20 minutes a game, play against some of these, you know, dominant centers at the, uh, across the league, you know, the MBs, the Jokic's of the world. Um, this, these are matchups in which you can use JaVale's verticality, his length. I mean, despite his age, he's still, you know, largely pretty athletic. He's not terrible when he gets switched on the perimeter guys. You know, there are worse. There are a lot, uh, you know, more immobile bigs than JaVale McGee. Um, so, I mean, good veteran presence, championship experience. And, you know, the offense really, I mean, it is what it is. Like, he'll occasionally get his little post hook. But, you know, he's always a solid roller with Luka. That's never really been... I think something that Mavs fans have really been getting onto him, but I mean, he looked like a saloon door on defense for really like the first, like 14 games of the season. And I mean, he got a couple of DNPCDs and, you know, especially when Maxi is really coming to his own lineup or not really coming to his own. Cause that's a guy we can also talk about in terms of his ineffectiveness this year. Um, but when in terms of like, you know, Maxi was playing more than him, you know, you had those Maxi wood lineups and, Dwight Powell effectively starts starting and McGee was, you know, relegated to the bench, Um, you know, but since then Maxie had a lower back contusion against the Raptors and JaVale all of a sudden is, you know, playing halfway decent. He actually looks fairly good as an interior defender. He accredits um, the fact that the Mavericks, you know, he's having to come up more on these pick and rolls as the reason as to why he wasn't, you know, good on defense to start the season that he had to adjust to that something he hasn't done in his career. You know, you can kind of call BS on that if that's the case or not, but you know, things are trending in the right uh, trajectory for JaVale in terms of his defensive impact on the game. Now, you know, I'm not going to take any broad assumptions from two or three games here, JaVale McGee playing good defense. He still has, you know, this, his record in terms of how he's played this season with the Mavericks is largely negative and, probably votes for him being a negative asset, but you know, if things are able to get back to where he was with the Suns last year, um, that would be a huge win for the Mavericks and definitely not eliminates. Cause you know, he's only, like I said, he's just, he's kind of a gap filler in the sense that he's only gonna be playing about 15, 20 minutes um, given his age, but you know, that it definitely helps with the Mavericks inability to defend the rim, because as we've seen throughout this season so far, a lot of stars have said in post-game interviews um, just how easy it was to be able to get to the rim, whether we, you know, we look at Kevin Durant, uh, Jalen Brown. These are, you know, some of the best players in the NBA, essentially, you know, having embarrassing post-game anecdotes to the media regarding the Mavericks' uh, inability to defend at the rim. And, you know, if JaVale can just uh, aid to that um, wound just a little bit, That'd be huge to the Mavericks. What do you think about JaVale McGee's start to the season? Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of funny that if we look back at any of our offseason podcasts, JaVale McGee on up, um, or I guess JaVale McGee signing on up, we would probably have said that JaVale McGee was a safe signing. Uh, we know what we're going to get, and we probably wouldn't have gone too in-depth in his game because... Sure, we may have been critical from the standpoint that, like, there could have been some better guys out there we could have got, but... We weren't really concerned with the fit. Yeah, exactly. We knew what we were getting. Like that that's where that's my point. Is we knew what we were getting. And and it seemed like kind of in the, those preseason games, like he looked pretty good. Like I think that's safe to say he looked pretty good in those preseason games. And then all of a sudden to start the season, he just looks bad. 
Um, and you know, a, a few seasons or a few games into it, you know, of course, getting those DNPs and all that, like he's finally coming into his own. I think, or like I hope. Um, but yeah, you know, it kind of seems like, as you might say, uh, head of his head out of his ass. Um, but yeah, you know, Javel looks, I think, hopefully on the rise. No, yeah, I mean, you make a good point there. We're just gonna have kind of have to see how that situation plays out. But you know, had we done this podcast three games ago, I would have had a totally different outlook. But the fact that he's turning in a project, uh, positive direction is at least something. Um, the next two guys I kind of want to get into are going to be Dorian Finney Smith and Maxi Kleber. And the reason I wanted to group these guys together is because these are guys that have maintained their, for the most part, their defensive principles. These are both guys who developmentally have been with the Mavericks um, the longest out of basically everybody in this group. And, you know, guys that were undrafted that really had to furnish themselves from the ground up, you know, have recently both just got new extensions and they're both basically playing the same brand of basketball this season. Sure. Dorian's a starter. He's playing more. He's more, he's more of an integral part to this team uh, than Maxi is, but these are both basically three and D guys that the D is there for the most part, but the three is not. And not just the three is not, but in Dorian's case, a guy that you'd look forward to attack off closeouts a little bit. You know, I, I get that, you know, you can make the argument, oh, he's undrafted. Uh, that's not a fair ask of him. You know, you shouldn't, you know, accept Dorian for what he is as really good three and D wing. Um, you shouldn't be asking him to handle any sort of tertiary playmaking duties. Um, I'm bit, but you know, I, I get that to an extent, but he does have the ability um, as we've seen last year, especially when Jason Kidd, you know, bestowed that confidence upon him to do a little bit, um, not a lot, uh, just a tad bit of, you know, you'd like to see like one or two ball handling possessions um, where he's able to kind of get to the rim. Um, just maybe like, and like a Royce O'Neal-esque where, you know, you see him handle the ball from the wing and just use a single dribble move to get to the rim a couple times a game, um, you know, be more consistent upon his threes. Dorian Finney-Smith this year is shooting here. He is shooting 33.7% from three this year. That is very much down from his almost 40% clip last year. Maxi Kleber this year is shooting. Um, let's see if I can pull him up right here. Yes. So, okay. We have him pulled up. Sorry, we're on ESPN, so. I'm just looking a second to um, pull up Maxi's stats here, but Maxi Kleber this year shooting 27.3% on three um, on threes per game. So, you know, to the, to my point, these are both guys that have are having a really sluggish start after having an incredible playoffs shooting the ball last year. Do you think this is um, just a means in, uh, in terms of their shooting regressing um, after, you know, having to carry such a heavy workload in those playoffs, because, you know, the defense has really not looked terrible from these guys. It hasn't looked stellar, but they're at least holding, you know, they're, they're consistently is still holding their own. Or or do you think that, you know, uh, Father Time Father Time may be knocking on either of these guys' windows as their shooting numbers regress? What, what are your thoughts on how they've started the season and do the Mavericks need more out of them? I mean, of course, the Mavericks need more out of them with this, like, sort of roster how it's structured but to say that you know these guys are getting old their age is catching up to them whatever it may be i think that's just not fair uh this right here i think is truly a beginning of the season uh for these guys where they are you know just getting off to a slow start they're just getting their feet under them uh and their, their three-point shooting their percentages should be back in no time uh i think this is like a true these are the two like I, I, and I think it's a weird scenario between these guys because they're they're consistent, um, not consistent in the way that we would like, uh, but they're pretty consistent game in game out. You know, you're you're getting the solid ten points from Dorian and all this. Um, but with that being said, you know we we need to see more a better decision making in a sense um, where you know Dorian can dilate between these two. You know, the the two possessions that he does get to where he can drive and the shots that he gets in those corners, whatever it may be. Um, but I, I, I haven't, I wouldn't say I haven't liked what I've seen, but I haven't say I haven't disliked what I've seen from both these guys. 
Yeah, I think that would be a lot of Mavericks fans' consensus in terms of how these guys have played this year. Um, you know, I guess, you know, we already kind of hammered on Josh Green and his renewed effectiveness. If You know, we talked about how good he's played this year, um, but if we're just looking from a standpoint of how, you know, Josh Green's played this year, do you think that he should be replacing – uh, Reggie Bullock in the starting lineup at this point, or, um, you know, snagging more of Tim Hardaway Jr.'s points. Do you think that this situation has reached a breaking point where those guys are playing that bad to where Josh Green has uh, not maybe either by virtue of him actually earning those minutes or them just playing that bad? Yeah, has he earned to, you know, legitimately steal some of those guys' minutes? Yeah, I think you can make a real argument as to playing a better role or playing more of a role than Tim Hardaway. I think it's a little bit of a harder discussion to talk about Reggie. Um, but to say he hasn't taken some of these guys' minutes is I, – I think that's stupid to say. I think Josh Green has definitely made a run for these guys' spots. Um, I think I think it might be a little bit of a stretch to say Josh Green could take Reggie Bullock's starting spot uh right now just i think if we see a little more out of josh there's a real argument to be made there um but then again you know what's the hurt in trying um it kind of seems like this roster is so redundant at this point you know we see the same nine guys ten guys playing every game at the same point and throwing in a little josh green in the starting lineup throwing in christian wood in the starting lineup doesn't i, I don't think it hurts uh so and, and who knows maybe it lights a fire under reggie Bullock's butt um but yeah you know i think to say they he hasn't taken minutes from these guys is a long shot he for sure has no yeah i mean i think he'll continue to he's he's already starting to as we've seen in jason kids rotations but i, I think those narratives will even continue to persist even more um i, I think i'm a little, a little more radical than you in terms of um how i i would like the situation to um unveil i i would you know if it's me it's like Reggie Bullock and I mean Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. should be relegated to minimized role, roles on this team. Essentially, what Josh Green um, and Christian Woods' roles are in those games okay, that I, Jason I, I, Kidd plays plays them only like twenty minutes. Like they should just reverse those roles with those guys. And um, you know, I I've seen this lineup tossed around a lot on Twitter, but I think you know maybe looking at the idealistic starting lineup for the Mavericks, in my opinion at least, um, you know, you look at Luca. If you want the extra ball handling out there, you go with Dinwiddie, then Dorian, then, um, you know, Josh Green and Christian Wood. And if you're deferring a little bit and you, you know, you want to maintain um, that defense a little more, give a guy that's going to be able to back up Christian Wood in terms of that interior defense, then you just sub out Dinwiddie for Max Kleber. I think one of those two is honestly the Mavericks idealistic. Um, lineups it's just you know a matter of the fact that the mavericks were so focused on you know this oh we're gonna have so much scoring coming off the bench with tim hardaway jr and christian wood but with tim hardaway jr being a complete albatross in terms of both ends of the ball they really don't have much scoring uh, coming off the bench now all of a sudden and you know i know this mavericks and you know you know offensively this mavericks team really won't fare bad in the regular season but these could be problems that persist come playoff time because we really see in some of these games how the lack of another ball handler is hurting. Um, you know, we see in some of these games how the lack of another wing is hurting, how especially in these games where Bullock is struggling. I mean, the Mavericks effectively only have really two good defensive wings in Josh Green, Dorian Finney-Smith. They could definitely, you know, serve to have another one. So those are probably the Mavericks' primary areas of weakness right now um, in terms of their roster. And, you know, we just have to hope that these distressed assets that the Mavericks had either turn into positive assets. Um, the Mavericks are able to make some sort of distressed assets for distressed assets swap at some point, or they're able to um, at some point just wait long enough to where they can kind of retool their team, um, whether that's via cap space or draft picks coming into fruition. Um, you know, I don't really see the Mavericks making the big, you know, oh, shit, we got to save Luca from leaving trade this year. But, you know, if they're able to renounce the the uh, protections on that pick with the Knicks, who knows? Maybe there's an off chance that they're able to do that this year. But 
barring that, I really don't see them giving up any picks. I, I just don't know if they're, they feel as if they're, they're in a position to do that right now. So we're just going to kind of have to see how everything really persists. Um, you know, I know we didn't talk too heavily about Luca in this game, in this um, sort of overview of the season thus far, but, you know, he's, he's doing everything he can. And I mean, we talk about him on a game to game basis. How much discussion does this guy, does this guy warrant the real problems lie? Podcast. Yes. The, the real, the real problems lie on the team around him. Um, lastly, um, you know, I feel like, you know, two guys we kind of glossed over and these guys aren't really being grouped together specifically, but uh, let's look at um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dwight Powell. And, you know, I, I want to preface this also, not going to really be getting into Davis, Frank, um, Jaden Hardy, all those sorts of guys, you know, while they are fun and they could definitely serve to have contributions. We're trying to, you know, look at main overarching takeaways that we can take, you know, the guys that are playing, what are they contributing to this team, right? So in terms of Spencer Dinwiddie's season, he's had a really good season shooting the ball, right? He's been – his catch-and-shoot numbers have been through the roof, especially playing with Luca. I think more has definitely aided to that. We've seen the shooting really not fall off from his um, stretch with the Mavericks last year, which was definitely a concern coming into the season. Um, you know, he's obviously not the playmaker that Jalen Brunson was in the starting lineup. Um, but he's looked good as a ball mover. And, you know, he's, I think as he's got the Mavericks offensive scheme down, he's looked better at playmaking than I originally thought. You know, I, I kind of was a little harsh in my um, assumptions of him to start the season. I kind of labeled him as, yeah, he's just this guy who can create shots. Um, I don't know really, you know, outside of that, he, you know, his passes look more bad than good, but he has, serve to at least contribute something in that fashion so much so that I would probably, you know, say, yeah, like he's a secondary playmaker. Um, but, you know, definitely not by any means the grandiose idealistic secondary playmaker that you want next to Luca, right? Nor, you know, and then obviously the Mavericks really don't have anybody behind him, especially with, you know, Jaden Hardy. Uh, he's been tearing it up in the G League and especially with how Tim's playing right now. He warrants discussion to get on the team. There's no doubt about that. Like, like he better get on the main roster soon. Um, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to relieve some of these playmaking duties, right? Maybe you look to get a, a guy like McKinley Wright on your two-way. I mean, I think that's a guy who warrants real discussion, but I mean, he's got to get called up. Well, that's a you know, that's malpractice. Hopefully um they call him up at some point because I mean, in my opinion, you know, you're I mean, all three of those G League guys, I mean, even Dorsey, he warrants discussion to play over Tim. The Mavericks have areas where they could look to in some of these G League guys. I don't know how much that improve them, maybe even marginally, but I mean, they could definitely serve to use ball handling and shooting off that bench unit. Um, but that's kind of besides the point. Um, you know, if we're looking at Dinwiddie specifically, um, were you projecting him to have, you know, this sort of strong start to the season? What does he add to the team? And, um, you know, he, I also think he's played a fairly good defensive season, especially off ball. He's been really good defensively off ball and, you know, he's not been as much of a liability on ball. Um, what does he add to the team and what are the, what is this Mavericks team still lacking that he's not able to provide? Yeah. So, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, an amazing start to the season, whether it's three point shooting or even like you mentioned, this sort of defense that, or I guess defender that we really didn't know. Uh, and, you know, this is his first full offseason, of course, with the Mavericks. And I feel like that's really showing dividend in his play this season, or at least to start the season. Uh, we've seen games where it's sort of, I guess, leveled out, you know, these sort of one for eight games in a sense. And then we've seen games where he's just going off. Uh, and that's just I, I think that's just Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, you know, I think it's going to be more consistent and it's been consistent. So to say it's not been consistent is not doing him justice. Um, but you know, you know, I've, I've really liked what we've seen his sort of off ball defending has been an amazing help for this team, uh, in these close games where the Mavericks half the time pull him out, half the time don't, um, but yeah, you know, he's honestly played pretty good. No, I completely agree. I think that Spencer Dinwiddie has been, you know, honestly, everything and more the Mavericks have needed from him. Um, it's just the matter of the fact that the Mavericks, don't have another Spencer Dinwiddie. They don't have another guy that can come in and furbish their own offense and create for others. 
And that's like the main liability of this team when we're looking at it, right? Um, but I mean, no complaints from him, honestly. Like he's had a great start to the season for the most part. He's had a couple one-off games where he, you know, he's been a little more tired and things of that nature. Um, particularly, I think it was that um, second night of a back-to-back. Was it versus the, uh, you know, it was a game, uh, it was a Rockets game, I believe, where he just yeah, shot the yeah. ball terribly. It went like three for 18. But, you know, barring that, I mean, he's been largely consistent and he's, He's looked like, you know, you know, not an all-star caliber player, um, but, you know, definitely an, another secondary shot creator that you can play next to Luca, a guy that needs to be in the lineup next to Luca. And I've really enjoyed what I've seen from him this season. Um, I mean, and I think he's still, if you're able to ever get that secondary ball handler, he just can still easily come off the bench. He, I think that he's showing his flexibility with this Mavericks team, which has been really, um, you know, a big revelation. Like this is a guy that, I think has some of the most roster security on this team because of how essential he is to what this team does outside of Luca in terms of guys that we don't project to get moved at all whatsoever. Right. Um, lastly, you know, I want to look at Dwight Powell, you know, just pointing to, you know, how much of a staple this guy's been, you know, we obviously give Dwight Powell a lot of shit for some of the things he does in terms of him being a liability on defense and his lackluster rebounding, but, Give credit where he's due. He he always plays hard. It's a great roller. Sets you know really good screens. Probably better screens than or tenfold the amount better screens than Christian Wood or Javale McGee set. And you know yes he he he's kind of in this sort of spot starting role, especially when McGee went off to that like bad start. Um, but amidst a season where we thought that he would be relegated to not playing at all, he's sort of risen up in the ranks here with Javale McGee's bad start. And, you know, he's still a guy that, you know, kind of really doesn't fit this team. You can even see it out there at times, especially with Christian Woods, ability to roll the basket. Um, still a guy that you could maybe look to ship at some point. But, you know, just to point at the professionalism, how he's played, you know, he's looked like the white pal. He's done everything that we've, you know, you expect out of him um, when he's had to start. And, I mean, that's really all I can ask for. I mean, there have been times where, yes, his um, insane effort has – warranted him some you know fairly okay defensive games there have been some times where he looks like a saloon door um but at the end of the day you know him spot starting while it's maybe not the idealistic starting five for the mavericks you know he's played well to start the year and um i'm you know if nothing less uh this is a guy that you know while i think his fit um may not you know this is a guy that i think the mavericks could serve to really keep around for you know the continuity reasons and fit reasons if javel is really um just that redundant to this roster if these three games are not any sort of positive upward trajectory but um you know barring that i i just feel like the white pals uh, fit on this roster is fairly sketch right so you know you know we'll i mean we'll see what happens um, when we look at Dwight Powell's future with this Dallas Mavericks team, but do you have any other thoughts on terms of his uh, professionalism and him staying ready and, you know, how he's continued to be one of the uh, best point per possession um, rollers in the league this year? Yeah. I mean, to add to that, you know, Dwight Powell, this is sort of the professionalism that we have all, or we always really knew from Dwight Powell. I don't think we realize, you know, what kind of value this guy had until we didn't have it. Uh, and to his credit, you know, through all the, I guess, harsh words that even we have said and, you know, anybody that's a Mavericks fan for that matter, uh, through all the harsh words that has come his way, he has really, uh, you know, sort of turned his head against that and, you know, just put his head down and played basketball. And he's, he's done that really well. Uh, I think this is a guy, you know, like you said, he doesn't really fit the mold of this team going forward, uh, but a really good championship level kind of guy. I think you can stick him on a roster that's willing to win and he can go in there and he can give a solid 10 minutes a game uh, in that backup center position. So to his credit, you know, he's played amazing, I think, and filling this sort of center position that we don't have or we didn't have the luxury of having. Um, and it seems like hopefully with JaVale McGee sort of fitting in, I guess you can say, uh, maybe it comes back. Um, but, you know, with that being said, Dwight Powell, heck of a start to the season. I don't know what we'll see from him if Christian Wood starts again or starts uh going forward but with that being said like i, I mean i don't know if there's too many negatives you can say about dwight powell just because of the spot uh he was put in to begin the season 
No, I mean, I completely second you on that point. I mean, and uh, barring that, I mean, we look at the roster holistically. We talked about Christian Woods' sort of um, issues with Jason Kidd. Um, kind of went one by one, analyzed every player, how they fared this season. I mean, we could get into the front office, but we I feel like we touched it in t- at times in this podcast, um, sort of, you know, by virtue of, like, the negatives that we were talking about. Those are all indictments upon the front office to an extent. And, you know, seeing what their next move will be uh, is going to be really interesting um, because, like we said, we both agree here that they're very limited in terms of their flexibility, right? Um, So that's always going to be interesting to monitor going forward. Um, But the Mavericks have, you know, kind of locked themselves into this really, like, weird, mediocre position. Like, I think we could probably both agree that this team is – the Mavericks are a good team, um, but they're by no means a great team or championship level contending team. Maybe not even a top six team in the West. I mean, I, I'd say the Mavericks are definitely like kind of um, canvassing around that playing area in terms of how they currently are. Um, we probably projected this team to be a little bit higher, but you know, that was under the estimation that some of these role players were going to play a lot better than they did. And, you know, you look at the Tim Hardaway Juniors and Reggie Bullocks of the world, um, you know, with the lack of secondary playmaking on, and, you know, tertiary playmaking on this Mavericks roster. When those guys aren't hitting, it makes this Mavericks team a lot more hard-pressed in terms of the talent you can squeeze out, um, you know, and or the in about inability to surround Luka with talent. It makes it a lot harder, especially with the departure of Jalen Brunson. So it'll be really interesting to see if we see some positive regression for the Mavericks role players as we go forward here. That's obviously a situation to uh, monitor going forward. But, um, you know, in terms of the current rendition of this Dallas Mavericks team, um, by no means is this team, you know, things could turn for the better. And, you know, maybe the Mavericks, you know, get to a second round playoff berth and, you know, they hit some sort of hot streak come the new year. Like, that could all happen, right, as this team, you know, continues to develop continuity. But like I said, this team is not by any means a championship contender, even if it's early on in the season, even if there's improvements to be made. There are still distinguishable holes that won't be filled by any sort of morale or positive shooting regression or invigorated spirit that uh, head coach Jason Kidd lights under this team's um, – but or whatever like you know nothing like that is going to be what elevates the mavericks past the second round ish type area this year um we'll kind of have to see how everything goes going forward but they're either going to have to get lucky in a trade um or that that trade's going to be coming um the or the real trade's going to be coming you know after this offseason um because and the way it's looking right now, it's going to be, it's going, I don't know if they have the assets to pull off something that we'd really be keen to before the deadline. So it's all it's something to monitor going forward. And, you know, things change every day, but we'll kind of just have to see how this plays out. Um, I thought that this was a really thought provoking, um, intriguing episode. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Mavericks do, but they play the Raptors tomorrow at four. We'll be back to more of our post game style podcast. But, you know, I thought it was good to take a, look back at the season thus far um i thought we had a good enough sample size to really kind of go in depth into what this team has become so far and you know what is their flexibility looking forward do you have any other thoughts before we end the podcast uh i mean the mavericks have a lot of work to do but i think that's a given um other than that i think you know there's a handful of positives a lot of negatives um and a lot of holes on this team i think a lot is to be um I guess talked about and i feel like we've covered a lot of it here today no 100 yeah i mean i thought you're gonna say determined right there <laughs> well i just to be determined but i mean that's basically where, where we are at the mavericks there we don't know they're they're essentially it's just this big waiting game of are we gonna be um basically harassed by this sort of um inherent mediocrity for the rest of the luka Doncic era? Or are they going to finally surround him with the talent that he rightfully deserves and prevent him from leaving Dallas and we win championships, won championships? We'll just have to see. But besides that, that is it for today. We will 
be back tomorrow night or possibly uh, Sunday morning. We're kind of gonna we're we're gonna have to see how that all shakes up with that weird start time at the Raptors game tomorrow. But um, all signs point to us uh, probably being able to do the podcast tomorrow night. Um, so we'll be back at the Mavericks four o'clock game versus the Toronto Raptors tomorrow. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating if you'd so like. Um, we appreciate you guys listening if you got this far in the pod. And But barring that, we will catch you guys in the next one. Mainstream Mavs signing out. Bye-bye.